Anyway. This land is mine. God gave this land to me. This brave and ancient land to me. program with a dozen items in the uh, the news. I'm here with uh, Kirk and with uh, Dee. The first is rather a shocker. It's reported by the Jerusalem Post. Uh, I have uh, publicly uh, uh, declared that there was, there's no reasonable way to um, account for the coronavirus uh, coming out of Wuhan uh, as a blend of of HIV, Ebola, and the SARS virus with a vastly s- more sophisticated uh, gain-of-function mechanism that caused it to be more uh, virulent in the sense that it would attach to human cells better uh, than any standard form of virus when the Wunan Institute of Virology was doing research which was published on all of these things than to assume that it was a lab accident. That is the only informed and rational answer. Well, I certainly was not expecting what I read in the Jerusalem Post. It reads, China deliberately engineered the coronavirus as a bioweapon. A Hunan, Hunan Institute of Virology researcher claimed this week in an interview conducted by Chinese-born human rights activist and author Jennifer Zing. Researcher Chao Xiao asserts that the virus was deliberately engineered by China as a bioweapon and that his colleagues were tasked with identifying the most effective strain for spreading among various species, including humans, which is why they were experimenting with HIV, Ebola, and SARS. During the 26-minute interview, Chao Xiao shared an antidote involving another researcher named Sean Chao, 
who allegedly admitted being provided with four strains of coronavirus by a superior. Chan Chow was instructed to test these strains and then determine which one had the greatest potential to infect multiple species with a particular emphasis on human infectivity. Chow Chow also made sure to convey the idea that several of his colleagues went missing during the 2019 military world games held with in Wuhan. Actually, many went missing, including the first to blow the whistle on the involvement of the Virology Institute, who was deliberately killed by the Chinese government. And many of those who worked in the lab were among the first to die. According to him, one of the missing individuals revealed that they were sent to hotels accommodating athletes during the World uh, Games held in Wuhan at that time. This was the 2019 Military World Games, which is why the Chinese government tried to obfuscate responsibility by blaming the United States military. And they revealed that they were sent (coughs) to hotels (coughs) accommodating the military athletes from various countries to allegedly check on health and hygiene conditions. However, Chao Xiao said that these actions were unrelated to virology research and suggested they involved spreading the virus. Additionally, Chao Xiao disclosed that on April 20th, he was sent to Jinping to assess the health status of Uyghur prisoners held in re-education camps ostensibly to expedite their release, and yet he says it was actually with the intent to expose them and to facilitate the virus's spread uh, to study its effects on humans. The Jerusalem Post concludes by saying, while these revelations are both astonishing and deeply concerning, Chao Xiao emphasized that they only represent a tiny fraction of the entire puzzle. Isn't that a shocking story? The uh, next story is also quite shocking. Um, On Tuesday, the Centers for Disease Control uh, released health statistics that indicate that 15% of America's children aged 5 to 17 are currently receiving treatment for mental health conditions. Adolescents showed the worst numbers in the data with almost 20% of children aged 12 to 17 receiving mental health treatment, therapy and counseling or prescription medications. Now that is flat out frightening. One out of every five young people in America are receiving psychiatric treatment for mental illness. And you don't think that we as a nation are cooked? Well, let me tell you, that is for certain. Over 40 million Americans have unpaid student debt. 
Mm-hmm. It totals about a half a trillion dollars. Uh, and Joe Biden decided that, you know, we want to uh, set up the, the very t- strategy that will be used in the Great Recess when your currency becomes useless because these Nimrods continue to spend money that uh, the country does not have. And so he sponsored legislation to forgive all student debt. Now, what that does is it says that if you worked to pay for your education, well, too bad for you. If you uh, had a parent that was responsible and saved to pay for your education, too bad for them. For them. Because if you had the government pay for your education, you don't need to pay them back. It was one of the most disgraceful things ever proposed by a U.S. president. But fortunately, the Supreme Court tossed it out. It was a very bad week for liberals. So there is no longer uh, any potential for Biden's debt forgiveness on uh, student loans. Earlier in the same week, the Supreme Court ruled that race-based college admissions at Harvard University and the University of North Carolina were unlawful ending affirmative action programs at colleges across the United States. Good. Now, this is something that has screamed for the Supreme Court to do the obvious for 20 years. There is a 0% chance that race-based admissions is constitutional. But I guess if you're promoting something that the progressives hold dear, then the Supreme Court court can make decisions that are contrary to the Constitution. And yet, the newbie on the Constitution, the black woman who was put on the court solely because, according to Joe Biden, she was a black woman, Ketanji Brown Jackson, she said she called that ruling, let them eat cake obliviousness. The newest member of the Supreme Court evidently not only can't define and describe what a woman is, she is unfamiliar with the U.S. Constitution. What a disgusting comment. Mm -hmm. What affirmative action says is that you are too incompetent. You are, by strictly as a function of your race, you are unable to compete. Therefore, we need to lower the hurdles for you while we raise the hurdles for everyone else. And only then can the system be fair to you because, well, you're incompetent. It's one of the most disgusting ways to treat people. There's no difference in the intellectual capacity of people from different races. We can all read the same material. We can all devote ourselves equally to learning. There are no liabilities to education based upon the color of one's skin. It was disgusting to have 
race-based admissions into U.S. colleges as opposed to strictly merit-based admissions. The same thing is true with scholarships. They should be merit-based, not race or gender-based. But it was a good day for uh, the court, a very bad day for progressives like the newbie on the Supreme Court that doesn't know she's there to render judgments on the U.S. Constitution. Reuters put out an article that says U.S. Supreme Court striking down to the President Joe Biden's student loan forgiveness plan puts nearly a half a trillion dollars of debt back on the household balance sheets. No, it was never off of those balance sheets, and it's not necessarily on household balance sheets. People borrowed money. It's a half a trillion dollars. They need to pay it back. If you tell them that they don't need to pay this back, why should they pay their mortgage back? Mm -hmm. Why should they honor any debt that they have made? It's a burden combined with the end of the pandemic era pause in payments on education loans that will hasten an anticipated year-end economic slowdown. What idiots. Speaking of idiots, there's a, a black woman who likes to point her finger. She has uh, really uh, short, curly hair, kind of about a half an inch uh, long, with a mohawk design down the middle of it that is bright red. Uh, she is a member of San Francisco's Reparation Committee, which is uh, demanding that the city's black inhabitants receive many millions of dollars in compensation for slavery, even though none of them were slaves, nor were their parents slaves, nor were their parents' parents slaves, nor were their parents' 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 slaves. And she came out this week saying, straight white men are a danger to society. Now, if you came out and said black men are a danger to society and you backed it up with showing that, according to the Department of Justice, young black men are about eight times more likely to commit a violent crime, you would be labeled a racist. And even though straight white men uh, commit a disproportionately small number of violent crimes. Nonetheless, according to this progressive idiot, Nicole Cunningham, they are a danger to society. She claims that that institutionalized racism is ingrained within the system. Now, I'm here to tell you that racism black on white racism and white on black racism was a serious problem and particularly the way that blacks were treated in the 1920s 30s and 40s as a matter of fact from the end of the civil war after uh, blacks were uh, emancipated uh, the opportunities they were given to work and the way they were treated was flat out wrong slavery was flat out wrong now as it relates to slavery we have to put it in context there isn't a single black person that was brought to America that was enslaved by a white person. 
100% of them were enslaved by fellow blacks in uh, Western uh, Africa. And 100% of those were traded to Muslims and then offered for payment uh, by uh, European shipping companies. Uh, that's just the truth of it. Now, the fact is that, that since the 1960s, America, for the last now 60 years, has been the most upwardly mobile society in the history of humankind. Almost all ancient civilizations, and really every place, even through uh, the Holy Roman Empire in Europe, was based on a caste system, where there was no mobility upward for anyone within that system, and slavery in that system was rampant around the world for 6,000 years. The first legitimate experiment in total upward mobility regardless of one's ethnicity or any other factor is the United States of America. And never has there been a greater opportunity for people of all ethnicities to rise than it has existed in this country in the last 60 years. And so to advocate the opposite of that shows that you have no intelligence, that you're wholly ignorant and completely irrational. Moving on to our next story. Uh, speaking of ignorant and irrational, uh, there was a, uh, a cop killing in France. You probably uh, are aware of this. A, uh, a African uh, young man who had quite a history of... Uh, of avoiding arrests, who would be pulled over for traffic violations and uh, find it fun then to speed away uh, and really risk the lives of those who were trying to hold him accountable. He did it again. When, this time, because they knew who he was, the French police uh, held him at gunpoint. Didn't matter to this young man. He sped off anyway, and unfortunately, one of the two officers fired his gun because he was afraid that this man was going to kill him with his vehicle. And so the response of the French has been to riot, to uh, um, attack the police, to burn buildings and burn cars, not unlike uh, Black Lives Matter uh, protests. Uh, rallying around someone as despicable as, as George Floyd. Um, this kid, I don't think, was nearly as bad as George Floyd. I mean, there's no reason to believe that, that uh, he uh, pistol-whipped a pregnant woman or that he was in and out of jail regularly for substance abuse or that he was on uh, fentanyl and other drugs at the time of his uh, arrest. But like him, he resisted arrest. And to have people then riot and burn other people's property as a response shows you how far the world has fallen. In Iraq, uh, the Swedish embassy was uh, 
uh, ransacked uh, because in Sweden uh, there was a protest where the protesters who are disgusted by the uh, uh, the problems associated with the Muslims from Syria and Afghanistan and Libya uh, and Syria who have uh, been accepted into their country as a result of the European Union's initiative uh, to uh, bring in millions of Muslim refugees from the very countries that were impossible to live in because, well, they were infected with Islam. And so one of those rallies burnt a Quran, which is probably the second best thing you could do with one. It is trash, worst book ever written. Uh, it's a book that, that tells good Muslims to go off and kill, even to torture non-Muslims. And yet burning it is so aggravating to Muslims that they must riot and threaten to kill. There's something deeply disturbed about that kind of religion. If somebody were to go out and say, you know, I want to go burn the Torah, say, well, have at it. Don't care, really. Not bringing, you're not burning the copy I'm reading, and if you choose <laughs> to burn it rather than read it, that's your choice. Personally, I think that the smart thing to do with the Quran is to read the damn thing so you can know why 95% of the world's terrorists are good Muslims. The uh, psychiatric profile of the um, shooter, his name is uh, Robert Bowers, uh, who uh, uh, tried to, in fact, he killed 11 Jews in a, uh, a synagogue uh, in late October 2020 uh, in Pittsburgh, is now up for trial. And of those he gunned down, he thought that he should um, be honored in parades. Uh, and he thought he should be honored in parades because by uh, killing Jews, he was saving Gentiles from being uh, annihilated by them. Uh, I mean, imagine how stupid you would have to be to believe with all evidence, exactly the opposite of Goyim for the past well, 3,500 years, enslaving and murdering Jews by the millions, mm -hmm. that it was actually Jews who were murdering Gentiles. I, it's astonishing that somebody would promote such a myth or kill for such a myth. But the opposite of what is true is very popular to the point that this idiot thought he should have uh, parades uh, in his honor. Remember when the, uh, the alleged Chinese spy balloon crossed America mm -hmm. and all the politicians yes. were, were condemning China for having a spy balloon? And how just a matter of weeks ago, when, uh, when Joe Biden was uh, trying to reset relationships with Z, uh, and he sent his Secretary of State uh, and warmonger um, to, uh, to China 
to, res- to reset all of this, and he called Z a, a dictator. Well, in that same speech, the reason he called him a dictator, he said, because he was aware that there were train cars uh, in volume of spy equipment on that alleged spy balloon. And I just mocked everybody. I said, there is a 0% possibility that the Chinese are using a damn balloon to spy on America when uh, they have satellites. I mean, zero. You'd have to be, again, a nincompoop to believe this. And yet all the media ran with it. And uh, the president continued to talk about it. Politicians for both sides condemning China for it. Well, the report came out, finally. After months of analysis on the wreckage of the Chinese spy balloon, Pentagon spokesman Brigadier General Patrick Ryder said that it did not collect any information while it was transitioning the United States. The spy balloon did not spy on America. Welcome to the Twilight Zone. No joke. No joke. The United States has decided uh, now that they have a real pickle. The United States has spent uh, about $150 billion sending all manner of weapons to the Ukraine to wage a proxy war to kill uh, Russians. And it isn't going very well. And so this new offensive is disastrous. So the solution to that is not to, well, let's just say, okay, Ukraine, you'll not be part of NATO. Why don't we just call it quits? Uh, the, uh, the Russian territories that don't want to be part of Ukraine can stay with Russia. And the part that wants to be independent will not be part of NATO, will not be part of the European Union. And we're not going to rebuild the damn thing. But at least uh, we'll uh, have the Russians agree not to capture it. Easy peasy, war's over. No, not this administration. They've decided to, to send what the United States has heretofore called a secret black ops weapon, an ATACMS, missiles to the Ukraine that have long-range capability. So now the Ukrainians can kill Russians at a great distance. How many times must America do this before Russia's only sane response is to respond and attack America with the only tool that it has available in its arsenal, a nuclear weapon? We are asking for our own funeral. We were talking before the show that uh, Israel is the only country on earth that is condemned for building homes, and yet they are routinely. Today, uh, it happened. The Australians condemned Israel for building homes. The British condemned Israel for building homes. And the UN, of course, condemned Israel for building homes. They claim that by building homes, Israel is the one who is responsible for Islamic terrorism. Israel is also the only nation that is condemned for, uh, for defending itself against terrorism. And yet, last time I checked, Yisrael was the homeland of the Jewish people. 
Recently, uh, there was a study done by Professor Josef uh, uh, Garfinkel, which examined all of the earliest fortified sites in the kingdom of Yaouda during the 10th century BCE. The reason for this is all of the Nimrods that pretend to be really smart as scholars at Hebrew University and elsewhere claim that the kingdom of Yaouda and the United Israel did not exist until the 8th century, 300 years after King Dode's death. Uh, guess what? Oopsie. We screwed up. There was a united Yisrael and a very vibrant Yahuda with all sorts of uh, intrinsic governing mechanisms right back to the time of Dode. Once again, the archaeologist Spade has turned scholars into nincompoops. This is really the news brought to you by nincompoops. I'm trying not to speak of myself, but the European Parliament uh, Committee uh, this they week called for a war crimes charge against Israel. MEP Erwin Inclure of Swedish Social Democrats spearheaded the measure, which passed with 41 in favor and 24 opposed and nine abstentions. The European Parliament's Foreign Affairs Committee called for the EU to help the International Criminal Court prosecute Israel for war crimes in a resolution on EU-Palestinian relations. Yes, indeed. So, the Fakistanians can uh, go off and terrorize Jews, but when Jews go in and, and seek to preclude them killing Jews, they have committed a war crime. Good luck with that. Well, that's all the news that's fit for presentation this, this evening, but I wanted to keep you abreast of what's happening around the world. We're returning now to Mismore 8915. Um, the 89th Mismore is the cornerstone of uh, Yahweh's covenant home. It is the single most important declaration apart from the Torah ever provided. Uh, it is the death knell for Christianity, even though Christians lug it around in their Bibles. It is a death knell for Judaism because they are opposed to the idea of Dode being the son of God, the Messiah who is returning and most certainly against him serving as the Passover lamb. The 89th Mismore not only affords us with a score of accolades attributable to Dode, but also acknowledges his achievements in fulfilling the Moed Mikre. And it is unquestionable that Dode, not anyone else, is the Son of God, the Messiah, the King, the Zeroah Passover Lamb. And yet, none of the scholars and sages of Judaism, not over the past 3,000 years, not one of them, 
has come to acknowledge the truth. And of course, they don't want you to know the truth if you're a Jew because, well, frankly, they can't control you with their Talmud. They can't control you with Judaism if they told you the truth because the truth is eminently destructive to the credibility of the Talmud and to Judaism. Because in Judaism, the Messiah is unknown. In Judaism, uh, God cannot have a son. In uh, Judaism, the Mikra have not been fulfilled. In Judaism, there isn't even a, a Mikra of Matzah for Dod or anyone to have fulfilled. Far too committed to having the star of Bar Kokhba on their flags and on their kippahs than they are in letting the chosen people know the truth, truth that is essential for their salvation. So the message of the 89th Mismore is not just the cornerstone of Yahweh's home. It is a grinding stone that has been placed on the top of the world's religions, particularly Judaism and Christianity. To begin where we left off last week, Yahweh made it possible for Dode to serve as the Pesach Gael, and then to fulfill Matzah en route to the celebration and Shavuah. This occurred in year 4000 Yah, facilitating the benefits of the covenant. It would be 33 CE on our Roman pagan calendars. He would enable Israelites to become immortal, to have their souls become perfect, and to become enriched and empowered members of God's family, adopted into his family. And because he has done this, we have become the living expression of teruah, of trumpets, the fifth mikre, which no one celebrates today other than those who are in Yahweh's covenant family because Jews have corrupted it to become Rosh Hashanah. And yet our purpose is to serve as heralds of Dod's Yom Kippurim return. Delighted to show the way, because blessed are the people who are aware of and acknowledge Teruah, who walk with the light of your presence, Yahweh. That's clearly who we are. It is what we do. Mm -hmm. It's what we know. And the more we learn as Teruah's troubadours, the more we realize that we are not only following in Dode's footsteps as he fulfilled the first four Moadim, we are announcing his return on Kippurim. Dode isn't just the person coming back to fulfill Kippurim. He doesn't just have two lives. He has three. He was here to fulfill Pesach, Matzah, Bukurim, and Shavuah. And this is what we are experiencing, especially when we are enlightened by Dodes Mismore, many of which serve as the ultimate expression of Teruah. What we learn from the lyrics and life of Yahweh's Chosen, it's through the lens and the 
reverberations of the trumpet of Terua, the shofar, that we come to appreciate the balance shown uh, in his writings between blasting away at religious lies and trumpeting the truth. And both of these things are needed when the mission is to lead Yehudim out of Babylon and into Yahweh's presence. Over the past now 22 years, for us there have been many goosebump moments, times where we have found ourselves reveling in what can be learned. And this clearly is one of them when it is announced that there is a celebration at this time of advancing the purpose of Teruah. And it's a time that we value Yada, knowing what it's like to walk Ba or Pane with the light into Yahweh's presence. Everything that we have written and spoken these 22 years really is an expression of Teruah. We have striven to celebrate its purpose. We have sought to shout out a warning, boldly, bluntly, clearly, and loudly telling all who would listen that their religious and political affiliations put them at odds with God. At the same time, we have accurately and completely, as we are able, shared what Yahweh has to say about himself, explaining what he's offering and revealing what he expects in return. This is the essence of Teruah. It's the very reason we're asked to celebrate it on the first day of the seventh month each year. I also think it's important to recognize the fact that it is because of Asher and 2 Samuel 7 that we came to Yada, know all of this. And it is the Halak path we have walked with the ore light we were given into the very presence of Yahweh our God. And yet here it appears again in Mizmor Psalm 89.15. It transitions from comparing Yahweh to Dode to celebrating our calling and purpose. One thing has led to another, all pivoting on this most unique of Hebrew words, Asher. Since Yahweh has heightened our awareness of Teruah, and since we have come to appreciate, I think more than anyone, what it represents in our lives, and in the life of Yahweh's people, mm-hmm. we can come a little closer to ascertaining uh, the timing of all of this. And if you recall, um, those who have read all of these books, uh, and just as an update on this uh, now, uh, we began by rewriting the Babel series to accommodate the reality that there was no Yahusha, um, that Dode fulfilled the uh, first four Moed Mikre. Uh, and from there, our next um, project was to rewrite Coming Home. And we have subsequently rewritten Coming Home Volumes 1 and 2. Uh, 
Then we turn to an introduction to God. And I have now completed um, all three volumes of an introduction to God, rewriting them to correctly present what Father and Son have done to redeem and uh, reconcile yeah. Yah's people. I am now, I think when I sent it off to Jackie, uh, who is off um, splashing in the wonderful lakes of uh, Idaho with her uh, family and grandchildren uh, this afternoon, I think on about page 200 in uh, the uh, first volume of Yada Yawa. So we're making considerable uh, headway through this uh, project, and we'll continue to work at it until we've actually gone all the way through not only uh, observations and uh, questioning Paul after completing the entire Yada Yawa series, but then we'll do a, a quick review of the series that will be republished on our site called Goddamn Religion, which will represent um, Tea with Terrace and Prophet of Doom. So that's where we are on that uh, on that project. Awesome. Now, so as what I was mentioning is that those who have read through the um, volumes of observations, it was there that we came to realize that Teruah would be fulfilled after Yisrael is thinned at the waist, and an ill-fated attempt to trade land for peace in what's called the two-state solution. And yet before the worst of Jacob's troubles, in fact, uh, Kirk, you and I talked before the show began as to what that quiet period is going to be when the set-apart spirit is uh, no longer present here on earth and there are no witnesses. And we, uh, uh, it's our best judgment that while the Teruah harvest could happen any time from Teruah in 2026 through 2029. It's um, our uh, conviction that the later the better, and therefore we're anticipating the Teruah harvest to be on Teruah the first day of the seventh month in 2029. And mm -hmm. the arrival of the two witnesses will occur on uh, Pesach, the uh, 14th day of Abib in 2030, which means there would be six months of uh, radio silence, if you will, from the covenant family uh, and from anyone directly related to, uh, to Yahweh. Um, so that's the time that uh, we're, uh, we're talking about here. Uh, and it appears that while the time of Jacob's troubles could be dated to the fall of 2020. Kirk, are you still there? I'm still there, yeah. Okay. I think we've lost our host. Yeah, so uh, what was uh, that Craig was telling you, if you have any comments on what you guys were talking about before the podcast regarding Teru, I'm curious. No, what I asked him was... Um, about the radio silence period, he, he um, made the uh, off remark about um, it'll be quiet. And I wasn't sure. I said, well, how do they, uh, the people that are left behind, how will they find us? And that's why yeah. we were discussing when you came in that uh, we're kind of everywhere now. So if you're looking, you'll find it. You'll find this information that, don't, that things just don't disappear on the Internet anymore. 
Um, right. So you can you can try to race it. I guess if you want, somebody might. But but uh, so few people are that interested in this, which just boggles the mind. Oh. I'm not certainly uh, that uh, I'm I'm amazed that uh, uh, there's not thousands and thousands. You know, I, right. I don't think that's that's a very small number to begin with out of eight billion people on the planet. But uh, yeah. and and English is the language of the world. Anyone could there's just about anyone could find someone who could read this to them uh, as well if they were interested. And certainly with all the scholarship of uh, people who've written all the lexicons and all this stuff and all the theologians, not to at least explore yeah. explore the um, the um, you know, counter to their religion. I'm just shocked yeah. that um, it's not a big debate going on somewhere. So uh, I agree. You think uh, people would be flocking to this material? It's so uplifting. It's it's positive. People think it's negative. It's not. It's it's like a beacon in the dark. I can't believe more people aren't flocking to it either. It's the most freeing thing you'll ever hear. Uh, yeah. You know, so little of it. He says, "Come." It's like it's like your grandfather saying, "Come over." To the house, y'all come over to the house uh, uh, next week on on the Sabbath, on the Shabbat, and um, and visit, and, uh, yeah. and we'll meet on these these wonderful holidays or these wonderful festival feasts, Moed uh, Mikros, um, and you have I'm I'm stunned at the pace of which uh, Craig writes and uh, puts this all together. I mean, I'm just in in the team. Of course, oh, the team is I think <laughs> I'm just uh, um, what what a gift to have. I mean, yeah. I get tired out, you know, about twelve, fifteen hours. <laughs> I'm exhausted, much less, and I haven't even read anything. I just studied it. So, uh, but with all the material that's here to to do it, I, I people just I don't know what the trigger is. You know, I used to talk a lot about a trigger because it was interesting how you, I, and all the people that we know uh, have a chance to talk to uh, in any depth. Uh, had something that triggered us and just grabbed us to want to read this, to want to see this. And I and I, I wish I knew what it was, if there was some central theme that just grabbed them. So surely uh, Yahweh is not that interested in a whole lot of people. I mean, oh, yeah, well, you have some to... criteria of what he's looking for. And yeah, we and were open-minded. Be... I mean, how could you, how could you, you've got, you've got, the, the, these two big, this one big religion called Christianity, and this one is uh, Yehudim, made up of Yehudim, and they they don't know Yahweh's name. They won't use it if they do. They right. quibble over and pronounce it or not, which is a simple thing to pronounce. Um, the uh, they they don't want anything to do with Dode. I'm just I'm stunned by this. But I'm, I was stunned by his his um, ten stories today. I mean, how how stupid have we become? I mean, I understand about <laughs> no the, doubt. I understand the thing about the children being so many of them drugged. I, we had children's classes when I had a rather large art school, and I was amazed at how many of them were taking pills. And I was just yeah, I just couldn't sick. Believe. It's a yeah. symptom. They have to calm them down so they can even sit there and. and uh, in, in an art class, and I'm going, wow. So, so it's a symptom of the 
Do you, do you want to read some? Okay, I'm okay. Yeah, uh, actually, uh, can you hear me now? Hi. Yes, welcome back. Yeah. Okay. So I called in on the phone because Blog Tech Radio is uh, is uh, failed us again. But uh, moving to the uh, the next statement, uh, Ms. Moore uh, 8916 reads, "In your name, they rejoice every day. These are the people who celebrate Teruah." And in your justice and vindication by being right, they are lifted on high. Uh, This is the psalmist, and Yahweh inspired him. Uh, Explanation for what happens to those who accept the terms and conditions of the covenant and become part of God's family. It goes on to say, indeed, the adornment of their empowerment and fortification is yours. By your acceptance and approval... Our brilliantly illuminating horn is lifted up for our deliverance and protection are from Yahweh. Accordingly, the Kodesh set apart one of Yisrael is our king. The insights here are pretty straightforward. First of all, once we become a member of Yahweh's family, we're adorned in a garment of light. It is empowering, it is fortifying, it is protecting, and God gives it to his children. Second, when we become part of the covenant family and we are accepted and approved in his company, God sees us as lifting up a brilliantly illuminating horn, which is equivalent to saying that we celebrate the purpose of Teruah. We lift the shofar and fill it with enlightenment. For our deliverance and protection are from Yahweh, and while that's true, Yahweh never works alone. Therefore, the set-apart one of Yisrael is our counselor, authorized authority, and sovereign. 8918. Never forget that the 89th Mismore is about Dode. He is our king. If Dode is not your leader and your counselor, and you don't recognize that he is HaKodesh, the set-apart one of Yisrael, which means individuals who engage and endure with God, then you're not part of the same family. Now, having introduced us to Teruah Trumpet moments ago, we find God approving the brilliantly illuminating horns that we will rise for the occasion. The instrument, comprised of a ram's horn, of course, is called a shofar. The sound is amazing, and it literally reverberates within our souls. There are lots of titles afforded Dode, and this is one of them. There's very few things that are more distinguishing for a person or event than being called Kodesh, set apart. And Dode is the set apart king, counselor, and ruler of those who engage and endure with God. The things that are Kodesh would include you know, for example, um, the covenant is Kodesh. Mm-hmm. The Moed Mikre, and particularly 
the mikra of matzah, are Kodesh. Uh, Yahweh's name is Kodesh. Yehudem are Kodesh. Yisrael is Kodesh. The Torah is Kodesh. Mm-hmm. All things that are set apart from the common things of man, like religion and politics, have the opportunity to be considered as set apart, particularly when distinguished as such by Yahweh. Here, Yahweh is continuing to tell us a wonderful story, and it's a love story. It reads, therefore, you spoke in a revelation to your bakerim, chosen and tested ones, saying, I have equated and bestowed assistance, supplying what is needed on behalf of the Gabor, most courageous and capable man. Bakarim is plural. And so um, it speaks of those who are selected, those who are tried and examined, those Mm -hmm. who are preferred and found acceptable. And so we're being told here that uh, by the psalmist that Yahweh specifically spoke in a revelation to him about the importance of his bakarim, his chosen and tested ones. And what he had to say about them is that they have equated and bestowed assistance, supplying what is needed on behalf of the Gabor, (laughs) who is the most courageous and capable of men. So you read this, your first thought is, okay, Recognizing that Dode was by far the most courageous and capable of all of those who were associated with God, he is clearly the Gabor, but why would the chosen ones be equated to bestowing assistance and supplying what was needed on behalf of the most capable of all men? Because no one talks about him. He was the herald, and yeah. Yeah, here's the guy that that uh, uh, wrote the most important prophecies in his psalms that very few people even recognize was a prophet. Here's the man that volunteered to be their savior, fulfilling Pesach, opening the doorway to life, fulfilling Matzah, perfecting the souls of those who avail themselves of what he has done, fulfilling uh, the, the very next day, Bukurim, which is where we were adopted into Yahweh's family, showing us the way home, becoming the ultimate exemplar of Shabuah, being enriched and empowered by God. And yet, no one talks about it. Here's right. the most capable and competent man of God, the Gabor, and virtually no one recognizes what he has done for us. So if you're going to have Yisrael return to Yahweh prior to the fulfillment of Yom Kippurim in year 6,000 Yah in 2033, the only way that's going to happen if Yahweh's chosen and tested ones start working on behalf 
of the Gabor mm-hmm. and communicate to Yisrael what he has done for us. Now, Gabor is also a very important word uh, because of the role it plays in the, uh, the prophecy uh, that unfortunately has been maligned to give rise to Christendom. And uh, recognizing that the first six uh, chapters of Daniel are pure rubbish, uh, some of it even written in Aramaic, but it's, it's just religious rubbish. It, it's uh, Babylon in Babylon. Uh, by the time you get to the ninth chapter, in fact, even uh, into some of the revelations in the seventh chapter, while Daniel was not a prophet, Dode was. And the person that he calls Gabriel is uh, actually a compound of Gabor L. And so who is the most courageous and capable man of God, Gabor L? And so when you recognize that the Gabor here is clearly identified with Dode, and you recognize that this title, Gabriel, is the most capable and courageous man of El God, then the person who is actually the prophet that Daniel, who is not a prophet, is recording is Dode. Mm -hmm. And so Dode, as the Messiah is actually speaking of his fulfillment of all seven Moed Mikra in the introduction to his timeline where he says that I'm going to do all of this for Israel, which is the, the right. full spectrum of the benefits of the Moed Mikra. And to fulfill Pesach itself as the Masiach, Messiah, I'm going to arrive on precisely this day which was four days before Pesach, as the Passover lamb would be brought into uh, the homes in year 4000, Yah, 33 CE. And so it was Dode, the Messiah, speaking of what he, as the Messiah, would do. And one of the key ingredients into understanding that that is the nature of Daniel 9, 21 through 27, is a statement like this, which equates Dode as the Gabor. This term is also used in Yashaya 9, which equates Dode to the Gabor, also tells that Dode is the son, the child who was born and the son who was given. Mm-hmm. Yes. 89.19 concludes with, I have raised up and exalted the Bashar, chosen one. Now this is singular the one selected, tried, and tested from the people. Mm-hmm. God is telling us that this Gabor that is being raised up and will be exalted room is his chosen one. So he began this Mismor Psalm by announcing that Dode was his chosen one. He uh, tells us in second, uh, oh no, I guess it's first uh, uh, Samuel, uh, when he determines that Dode is the person that he wants to anoint as the Messiah and whom the Spirit will come down on, that he says, I choose through a criterion that is very different than man. 
Mm-hmm. But there is only one that is actually labeled the chosen one, Bakar, by God, and that is, again, Dode. It's What's important here is to recognize, and we've said this so many times, that God cannot work alone. Not just right. say that God prefers to work with us. He really cannot work alone. Because the moment God works alone, two things happen. One, he violates the prime objective, which is to raise a family and work with us, to engage with us. That is the prime objective. If he works alone, he is violating the prime objective. Then there's no purpose to creation. There's no reason for us to even exist. And the second reason is because he promised Yisrael that he wouldn't do it. And the reason he promised Yisrael that he would not communicate and act uh, independently in their presence was that they were scared to death. And the last thing he wanted to do was frighten them. Can't be a good dad if you're frightening your kids. So God cannot work alone. And so the single most important thing God has to achieve in all of human history is to fulfill the Moed Mikre. And therefore, he needed a person with whom he could work with for the most important role any human would ever fill. And not only did he choose Dode to be his son, his son chose, literally volunteered to serve in this capacity and furnished an argument on behalf of him serving in this capacity that God himself not only accepted but celebrated. So this is why Yahweh says, I have raised up and exalted the chosen one from among the people. Now, God had already, um, in fact, the 89th Mizmor was written four years after uh, Dode's initial death, the first of three lives. And so the whole issue of Dode being um, anointed Messiah and him being chosen and him being anointed in the spirit and him becoming king, all of that was now history. And so in this case, Dode, or Yahweh is speaking of raising up and exalting his chosen one from among the people at a future date, and those dates would be twice, 4,000 Yah and 6,000 Yah. And, you know, for those of us who have long since come to realize that Dode is returning to fulfill Dode back, built a seat of honor for him, built a home for him, built a throne for him, uh, established his kingdom forever, uh, Dode's coming back as brilliant as the sun, as if he were God. Uh, and Yahweh says that he's returning with Dode every which way. And we have long been comfortable with Dode returning at, uh, at uh, year 6,000 Yah to fulfill Kippurim. So for somebody who might say, okay, I'm good with that, but I'm not good with him being here in the interim as the Passover lamb, 
how is it possible you could be okay with him coming back a a second time but not a third? Yeah, yeah. And I remind you, how many times was he anointed? Three. Yeah, and how many 40 Nobel periods are there in human history that bring us to this point? Three. Three thousand, two thousand. Yeah. So here we are. That's uh, what that, that is God's position on this. So this is really the uh, first line of the 89th Mismore uh, that is extant in the scrolls found in the caves uh, above Qumran. And in the text of the 1,000-year-old, or older, I should say, Dead Sea Scroll, uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls dated uh, to the first century BCE, and the, uh, the Mesoretic text, the oldest we have, is dated to the 11th century CE. So here now we can use the Qumran scroll to uh, discern the meaning of these words. And here we find the uh, plural and singular of Bashar in the Dead Sea Scrolls. The chosen and desired, the tested and proven. As a result, based upon his previous declaration, not only was there a connection between God's deliverance and protection on Teruah and the realization that Dod was the Kodash, set apart one of Yisrael, and our Malak, counselor and king, it logically followed that God should make a corresponding revelation to those he had chosen and proven. And in this case, uh, divine insight was uh, how he assisted Dode, aiding and abetting his Gabor, his <laughs> most capable and courageous individual. Moreover, the Bashar, chosen one, the Gabor, Malak, and Kodesh are all one and the same. Dode. All of these things and more pertain to him. And there's a reason <clears throat> that Christians, to create the myth of Jesus, had to rob Dode of his every accolade and achievement. Because, of course, there are no accolades or achievements no prophecies of any kind pertaining to Jesus. So for Jesus to be perceived as the Son of God and the Messiah and Savior, these accolades and accomplishments must be stolen from Dode. Now, since we do not find Nabi in the text, it is implied uh, that this awesomely important insight was revealed to witnesses rather than the prophets. And should this be the case, I don't think there's any argument that can be made that you're listening to the result. Yeah. There is no one else that is proclaiming Yahweh's name, describing the covenant with its five conditions and five benefits, explaining how the Moed Mikre enabled the benefits of the covenant, how Dod is the Son of God and the Messiah, and will be returning the timeline that, uh, that demonstrates when he was last here and when he will return on the precise date, or that is acknowledging that Dode is the Passover lamb. There is none that speak of any of those things, much less any other 
that is involved in the amplified transla- translation of Yahweh's witness. Um, so the fact is, we are fulfilling this prophecy. Yes, sir. That's cool. I'm down. <laughs> yeah, it's it's um it's always <clears throat> comforting to know that you're yeah. you're doing exactly what Yahweh wants. Yeah, and, you know, I had a call from a friend this week asking, you know, what can he do more because he wants to be part of the team Yada and, and what we're all doing. And, and I told him just what you're saying, share Yahweh's words. That's what we need. But, correct. And because now the various platforms on social media are so pervasive, there's so many opportunities to do it. Uh, you are noticing um, just uh, today uh, that there is a uh, um, a um, a uh, interchange on Kara. Specifically, yeah, you're being discussed on many platforms. To, yeah, to what we're uh, doing here. Uh, Last week, two hundred and fifty thousand people interacted with this podcast, and a hundred thousand or uh, one thousand alone on just Twitter. I mean, people are seeing this information and anybody can make an account and share it. Just do so appropriately within the proper um, requests and you can read Craig's about me section and figure out what he wants you to do. We only have um, uh, three requests uh, of those Mm -hmm. um, that uh, uh, avail themselves of this information. We offer it free. And so if you wish to um, read it and benefit from it and then share it. We would right. ask that you come to know it and understand it before you start right. sharing it because uh, you're just going to be a lot more effective uh, when uh, you've taken the time to read enough that you transition from knowing to understanding. But our, uh, yeah. our primary um, requests are, if you're going to use it, that you do not use it anything that we have written or said to promote any religious, political, or conspiratorial notion. Right. We are, and God is, completely opposed to religion, politics, and conspiracy, and therefore this cannot be used in association with any of those things. Second, do not use anything that you read or hear here to uh, perpetrate a violent act. We are about using words. We are going to continue to use our words. We want to encourage you to use your words. Words are far more powerful than uh, is any stick or stone. So um, be inspired to reach out using words. Even if those words are condemning of religion or politics and are uplifting of Yahweh, use words, and wield them wisely. That those are our requests. And that, of course, if you're going to cite this work, um, direct people's attention to uh, where you heard it because right. or read it. Because far too many people have taken our transliterations, for example, of Yahweh's name, our, uh, our analysis of what can be gleaned about covenant participation, and uh, they uh, promote it as if it's their own on a site that promotes conspiracy and religion. 
Yeah. And that is really uh, totally and completely inappropriate. Right. Yeah. So in contrast to the rabbinical types, Dode is Yahweh's Gabor. He is the most capable and courageous of men. He is, he has the strength to prevail. However, in part because Yahweh supported him is the reason he has this ability. Yes, Dod was the Pisakael. Yes, it was Dod's soul that took our guilt with him and deposited it in Sheol. However, none of that is possible without God's direct involvement and support. Like when I go back and I'm trying to edit Dode into all of these things, and most of the time when I say, you know, Yahweh fulfilled his promise to reconcile his relationship with his people and to uh, redeem their souls, uh, you know, there's this tendency to say, well, father and son collectively did that. But the reality is that while Dode is is the most important human who ever lived and essential to God's plan, the fact of the matter is that Dode is still nobody without Yahweh. Yahweh remains God without Dode, but without God, Dode is no one. And so Dode would be the first to credit Yahweh's support as the reason he was able to perform and do these things for us. Yeah. And it is his attitude that made it possible for Dode to serve as the Zeroah, as the sacrificial lamb, literally offering his life as a Bashar, mortal body, to save Yisrael. Now, in all reality, this is what Dode figured out, which is that if I suffer even at the hands of uh, the brutal Romans on uh, Pesach Passover and sacrifice that body, uh, that body is meaningless to me. And one day's uh, torture in that regard is meaningless compared to an eternity where I will have earned the people's respect. And while there could be nothing worse for someone like Doe to be separated from Yahweh on Matzah or being laden with our guilt as he carried it into Sheol, which is hell, which is what he did, depositing it there, the great celebration of being the first to fully benefit from Bukutim which is the third of the Moed Mikre, where we're adopted into God's family, is Mm -hmm. more than enough to justify doing it. But beyond all of that, by doing it, Dode becomes our savior and earns our eternal respect for having done so. Yeah. So, as we have stated many times, Dode was mighty with pen and with sword. (laughs) Clearly, he was not a pacifist. He was unapologetic, at least towards other men. He knew right from wrong and would not tolerate any form of deception. He would be crucified in today's world for being politically (laughs) incorrect. Yeah. Uh, For being intolerant, just as he was crucified by the Romans for being incompatible with their immoral quest to abuse others. And, you know, with Dode as the Passover lamb, the Romans are now, uh, they're never justified, but at least we can understand why the Romans crucified 
don't, and why they would not have a reason to crucify any anyone else. They were the occupiers of Judea. Dode was the king of Judea. The one thing the Romans would never tolerate is someone who claimed to be and could prove that he had sovereignty over them in a territory they had conquered. And so Dode actually gives the Romans, at least under their uh, means to subject uh, people and to demean them, a reason to crucify him. Now, if I can do the Romans um, um, generate God's uh, eternal wrath, as do the Roman Catholics, uh, following them, because while the Pisachael had to die, the body of the Pisachael has to die to uh, to open the doorway to life. The Pisachael is not supposed to be tortured. Right. It was the Romans that thought that would be fun. Can I uh, ask a quick question? Sure. So a friend also called this week, actually, about this subject, which is really interesting that you're uh, broaching it. And the question was, did the the lamb, whatever his identity, uh, do perform miracles? And I said the exact same thing you just said. I don't think so. I think that's a New Testament. No. It's really interesting that uh, if you look at the... uh, the Christian New Testament. There isn't any contemporaneous record of uh, what Joe uh, did. None. Right. Uh, in fact, uh, it's likely that all four weren't even in the same country at the time and weren't even good hearsay witnesses. Uh, Mark, of course, was, was not there. Uh, right. Matthew wrote uh, uh, four generations later. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Luke was nothing but a, uh, an apologist uh, for, uh, uh, for Paul. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the only person you could say remotely might have been there when some of this took place would have been uh, uh, the person known today as John. But what's so odd about that is that it's apparent that He wouldn't write anything about any of this until about three generations later, sometime in uh, in, uh, 60 to 70 CE. And he did so if he was the same fellow, which I think is actually unlikely, uh, did so many countries removed from Judea, where there wouldn't be anyone who could validate what he said was true and long after memories would have faded. And so if Dode, as the Tisak et El, had made great proclamations, if he had performed awesome uh, uh, miracles, if he actually had disciples, would somebody have written down something that transpired? You know, one of the things that is necessary to speak for Yahweh is a contemporaneous written record. Yes. When Yahweh reveals something through a prophet like Yahshua, 
the first thing he says is, get a damn big scroll. And he was damn, but get a big scroll. <laughs> get a pen and write it all down. Every word of this. When, you, when we study what Dode had to say, it's because he wrote it all down. Right. Moshe not only wrote the Torah, the first thing that Yosha ben Nun did after becoming his successor is write it again. You cannot represent Yahweh if you're not committed to writing what you have learned and what you had revealed to you at the very time it's being revealed to you. Yes. You know, we do this show, spend uh, this hour and a half celebrating our relationship with Yahweh and participation in the covenant with other covenant members here on, uh, on a Shabbat evening. However, that is not our prime objective. It's a tiny fraction Correct. of our investment of time. The investment of time, 12 to 14 hours days, six to seven days a week, is in writing what we're learning as we're learning it. And yeah. so for nothing to have been written by any of the eyewitnesses or even the participants in 33 CE says that nothing was said of importance and there were no miracles. Now, we have to be a little careful here and that while there was no Jesus and proof there was no Jesus, no one by that name lived or wrote anything. Therefore, he would not have been consistent with God's approach. Uh, the person who actually fulfilled these things, Dode, did write extensively of exactly what he experienced and endured. It's just that he wrote about what he experienced and endured a thousand years before he did so. Right. Read the Mismore. All of them speak of it, and particularly the 22nd and 88, which were written in first person about his ordeal fulfilling Pesach, Masa, and Bakurim. Why would Dode write in first person about what he experienced at the hands of the Romans and being crucified on Pesach and the darkness and loneliness of fulfilling Masa along with the celebration and brilliant light of Bakurim in first person if it was not he himself that was doing it? Right. So the only person who is even possible to have been sanctioned by Yahweh to fulfill the first four Moed Mikre, Pesach, Masad, Bakudam, is the one person who left us with better than a contemporaneous written report of what occurred. Only one. <laughs> so, no. Yeah. He wrote that report a thousand years before he fulfilled these things. Right. But that means, my friends, there were no disciples. That means that the entire Christian New Testament is nothing but a God-forsaken fairy tale. Or if you're a Jew, a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. All of it. Well said. I discovered and then made known Dode, my Ebed co-worker. 
if you had any question as to who he was talking about, I discovered and then made known Dode, my co-worker. Where did I say about God? He cannot work alone. Yeah, I understand he's God. And you would say because he's God, he can do anything. That's not true. He can't lie. He can't go back on what he's promised to do. And if he's told the children of Israel, which he did, that you're right, I won't address you directly again. Because it scares the living bejesus out of you. He's not going to go back on his word. He is going to pick a co-worker. Heck, God went into Mitzrayim, Egypt, the most powerful land on earth, with an 80-year-old stuttering shepherd. He doesn't work alone. He's saying here that he discovered and made Dode his co-worker to work with him to fulfill all of these wonderful things, including the most important of all, which are the Moed Mikrek, of Shimon Kodesh Ani. My set-apart oil, I have Mashak anointed him so that to show the way to the benefits of the relationship, my hand will be established and steadfast with you. So, Yahweh found out. Yahweh is responsible posing his experiences with and inspiring Dod, Matzah. Dod is Yahweh's Ibad Ani, authorized agent who works on his behalf. Then what God is saying here is that I want you to understand if you're Jewish and you have as one of your principles of your disgusting religion, Judaism, that some unnamed Messiah is going to come and save you, that out of my set-apart oil, I was the one who anointed him. So why are you awaiting an unknown Messiah if I anointed him the Messiah? Why is the most popular religion in the world, Christianity, about taking a mythical misnomer, Jesus Christ, and claiming he is the Messiah when God specifically says that out of his set-apart oil, he anointed God. Then he says, I did this to show the way to the benefits of the relationship and that his hand, his influence, would be established and steadfast, unwavering and persistent with us as a result for our benefit. It is, by the way, for QPS that changes him to you at the conclusion of 8921. By stating that he made Dode maint known to us, Yahweh was taking credit for the accounts of his life and the copies of his Psalms that have been um, available for us to read these past 3,000 years. 
No other 11th century BCE life is as contemporaneously or voluminously documented. Yahweh treated Dode as Yahweh encouraged every one of his prophets to respond, which is to create a contemporaneous and comprehensive record in writing of everything that was said and done. Dode is the living embodiment of that practice as it relates to prophecy. Therefore, we should be asking ourselves why this is so. Why did God intervene in human affairs in this way, at this time, in this place, and for this man on our behalf? What is it about Dode that established Yahweh's hand with us forevermore? How can Yahweh's influence on us be unwavering and persistent 